Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. I feel like God is wanting to speak to us. We're just singing this song that I'm going to make it through. That I'm standing on you. And I don't know about you, but there seems to be these seasons of life where at best we can stand but we all want to quit it seems like everything around us has come up against us and it, and it seems like everything that we are going through continues to stockpile one on top of another on top of another on top of another and you're wondering in life when is it going to stop and to make matters worse is it seems like in a lot of us that we do the right thing and the wrong thing takes place. Can anybody recognize that in your life? And it seems like the more we do that is for God, the worse our life becomes. But when we were living in the world and doing our worldly thing, life was a lot easier and a lot less issues and a lot less struggles and a lot less problems. But now, God, where are you? And one of the hardest things in the human soul to, to overcome is this right here, is that God, I'm doing your promises but you're not. Am I the only one? I've had this conversation. God, I'm standing on your promises. I didn't promise myself this. I didn't make up this. I didn't write this in the Bible. Like you, you did this. You awakened my heart to it. I'm doing what you said to do. And it seems like, God, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Have I, has anybody else been there before? Come on, somebody. We are talking church. It's okay. I'm going to have uh, singers. You guys can have a seat. Thomas, Steve, sorry. Hope your legs are strong. What's coming on in our life is this, is that God is moving us from one thing to another. And a lot of times in the transition from one season to another season, in the transition from one location to another location, all hell seems to be breaking loose. It's like we leave a fortified city on our way to a new city. And in that journey... Everything has come up against us. Everything that we don't want to happen seems to be happening. We were safe in the previous season, in the, in the earlier times, in the earlier things. We were all good. We were all fun. Everything was great. But now it seems like everything's falling apart. And as we, as we dive in today, I, just, I feel like God's doing something in our lives. He's doing something in our church. Um, and I feel like God is wanting to, to move us from one place to another. And in that movement, there's chaos. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, Thomas, go ahead and hit that pad for me, will you, buddy? We're going to be on the fly for a second. We're starting a new, supposed to be starting a new series today. And you know what? It works. It works for where we're going. But go ahead and grab a Bible. We're going we're gonna to jump into Genesis 37. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis 37. Does anybody need a win today? Am I the only one? Everybody else has been just killing it and everything they do. Every season of life, it's just like, God, I just, I can't miss. Everything I do is awesome. And Genesis 37 says, now Jacob, remember the story of Jacob and Esau, they were twins and they they had some issues because one twin supposedly stole the other twin's birthright. Well, he sold it, but Esau was angry at Jacob for taking his birthright. He tricked his father to blessing him. His mom was in on the gig. Jacob now has ran off. He went to his uncle's house, Laban. In that process, from having nothing, Jacob amassed a massive amount of wealth. Uh, if my memory serves me right, what do you have, like four wives and 8,000 kids? No. He had four wives at the time, and, and, and he's moved his way back to meet with his brother, reconciling with, with his enemy. They reconcile, and everything's fine. And now Jacob is a little older in age. He's got a lot of sons. He's gone through a lot. And it says this, now Jacob dwelt in a land where his father was a stranger, which means his dad never lived in this land. This is a new location where his dad, uh, Abraham, uh, live, lived in a very, his grandfather Abraham lived in a very specific location 
His father lived in a very specific location. Now Esau is living there, but Jacob has found himself in a place that his dad never dwelt before. He's now dwelling in the land of Canaan, and this is the history of Jacob. It says that Jacob being, Joseph, sorry, Joseph, Jacob's son, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad, Joseph, was with the sons. You know, it's funny, is that he's with the sons of Bilhah, who is Rachel's handmaiden. The story goes like this, is that Jacob was in love with a woman named Rachel, and Rachel couldn't have kids. He also got tricked by his uncle to marry Rachel's sister, who was ugly. It was a night wedding. For some of you guys that are going to be married soon, make sure it's daytime, um, or at least illuminated. Uh, making sure you know who you're marrying. So he marries this woman named Leah, and, and he woke up, and he was mad because it wasn't Rachel. And that must have been a crazy night. Uh, he had no idea. So I don't know if Rachel should be mad. Like, what do you mean? You were with her all night. You didn't know it was me. So he gets to this place now. He has Rachel and, and Leah, and the problem is, is that Rachel can't have kids, but Leah is getting blessed over and over again. And so she says, hey, hey, how about this? Time out. How about you take my maidservant, and see if you can make a baby with her. This is a Jerry Springer show, y'all. So she does. She has two sons. Dan. And I think it's uh, Nepheth, I think is his other one. So Joseph is out with these two sons. And they do something. Doesn't say what they do, but they do something. And Joseph runs to daddy. It's funny because Joseph's mom was Rachel. The one he loved. And he finds himself now a privileged son, tattletelling on his brothers who were, in the family's eyes, second-class citizens. I'm sure that went really well. And it says that uh, he ran and told Joseph their evil report. Now Israel, or Joseph, uh, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children. Moms and dads, this is a lesson not to do. But it was because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Jacob makes Joseph a coat. Not only did everybody know that he was his favorite, like I know my sister is my parents' favorite, but Joseph then has a coat to prove. He gets the, I'm the, my mom and dad's favorite child trophy to carry around wherever he goes. Joseph is about 17 years old, according to verse 2, and Jacob, or Israel, makes him a coat of many colors. And it says that when the brothers saw that the father loved Joseph more, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And then the next thing happens. Joseph has a dream. He told his brothers about his dream. And they hated him even more. Story goes, Joseph has a second dream. He tells his brothers about the second dream. He's a glutton for punishment. His dad rebukes him. So shall your father and your mother and all your brothers bow down to you, he says. Joseph is 17. He's finding himself into a spot that everybody around him hates him. It's one thing for me to understand that the world hates me. It's one thing for me to understand that I've got enemies. It's one thing for me to say that I don't have friends at, co at the office. It's one thing for me to say my neighbors despise me. But there's a whole new hurt when the people who are biologically engineered to love you don't love you. Come on. Has anybody experienced that before? Where the people that should, of all the people in the world, should support you, should root you on, should go, you have a dream, awesome, go get it, are now taking what you have and are doing their best to use it against you to isolate and ostracize you even more. Joseph has a dream. He didn't choose this dream. He's 17 years old. Cole, how old are you? 17 years old. Just for reference sake. I understand that Shonda and Daryl want to strangle Cole sometimes. We on a regular occasion have counseling about things. But never once, 
and parents, you can attest to this, have you gotten to a place with your kids that you have despised them because they had a vision for their life? This is the situation. At what point, I ask you, did Joseph decide to have a dream? At what point did he say, today's my night. I'm going to dream a dream. It's going to be great. My whole family are going to be my slaves. And then I'm going to tell them about it. Twice. No. So let me ask you this question. You guys can talk back for me for just a second. Uh, if Joseph didn't decide to have the dream, then who gave him the dream? All right. Come on. God did. So you're telling me right now that God took a man, a young man, who is already despised by his family and gave him a vision that would cause him even more problems. Isn't that interesting? Joseph has a dream and he tells his brothers about the dream and his brothers hate him even more and he goes because his father says, go check on the brethren. Go check on them to see what they're doing. And like an idiot, he wears his coat. Yeah, y'all are here working. I'm with Pops. I'm going to wear my coat to see you guys. You already know I'm a narc. You already see me tattletale. You know I'm going to do it again. So what do they do? They devise a plan to take Joseph. Let me ask you this. When Joseph went to go check on his brothers, that was sin, right? He was out of the will of God, right? He was doing everything. He was in rebellion, right? No, Joseph didn't choose to make a coat. Somebody else did. Joseph didn't choose to have a dream. Somebody else did. Joseph didn't choose to go look at his brothers. Somebody else did. And what does he get? He gets beat up. They assault him. They rip his coat. They kill an animal, spray it with blood, throw him into a pit, and tell his dad that he's dead. And they sell him as a slave. What are you going to do when you do the right thing? What are you going to do when you're doing the right thing and all hell is breaking loose? Story progresses that Joseph then, as a slave at 17, gets sold. He's in a new land, in a place he's never been before, and now he's all alone. He has no covering of his father. No one cares about his name. He has no money at all. He is now somebody else's property for doing the right thing. He gets sold. A man named Potiphar buys him. Potiphar's got tons of money. But it doesn't seem like he's got a lot of time to make his wife happy. And it says it like this, is that as Joseph served, he gained favor. He gained favor by stealing he gained favor by gossiping. He gained favor by, by cutting under people under. He gained favor, favor by doing all the tricks of the trade. No, no, no. He gained favor by doing the right thing. And what did doing the right thing get Joseph? He, it got him one-on-one -on -one with Potiphar's wife. And she makes a move. She shoots her shot. And Joseph, far be it from me to even entertain such a thing. And as he runs, doing the right thing, she grabs his coat and rips it. And what does that get Joseph? Going back in prison because now she says, he tried to assault me. This man you bought me, Potiphar, has done his best to rise up against you and take something from you. So Potiphar then throws him in a prison. He goes from a pit Potiphar's house to a prison. At what point in this story has he made a mistake? I ask myself this question, at what point is it when I'm in the pit? Is it when I'm being shackled and sold by my brothers? Is it in Potiphar's house when I'm starting to make a, make a name for myself and be comfortable? At, at, at what point in my personal life do I go, you know what, this God thing is not paying, but it's not paying out. At what point do I go ahead and just decide, decide to, to not be 
who I think I'm supposed to be and give it up now. Because what happens in our lives is that as God wants to bless you, a lot of times the enemy wants to constrict you. And the way he tries to constrict you is through getting into your head. And the way he does this is by creating obstacles and opportunities around you for offense to get you to a place where you feel isolated, to get you to a place where you feel like it's not worth it anymore, to get you to a place where the other side of the, of the fence looks so much better than where I'm at right now. It gets us to a spot where we understand the promises of God, but we're not seeing them with our eyes. Has anybody else experienced that today? And you're wondering, God, at what point is this not happening? There was a man who was going to get insurance. The insurance agent asked him, hey, have you been in any accidents? The man thought about it for a while. He's like, no, I haven't. He said, well, on your medical reports, it says that you've got a concussion and broken ribs. He goes, yeah, <laughs> got kicked by a horse. He says, well, six months later, it says that a rattlesnake bit you and you had to go to the hospital for poisoning. He goes, yeah. The agent looks at him and goes, I thought you said you haven't been in any accidents. And the man said, I don't think they accidentally didn't mean to do any of those things. I think it was on purpose. This is where we find ourselves a lot of times. We start asking ourselves, at what point is what's taking place on me on purpose? And maybe we should shift the words on for four. At what point do we stop going, is what's happening to me on purpose? And going, is what's happening to me for purpose? And as you've just changed that one little world, everything that you go after changes. Joseph has a dream. Hmm. He didn't choose anything so far. Now he's finding himself. He's finding himself in a prison. Surrounded by men. Who deserve to be there. And lo and behold. He serves in the prison. And he becomes somebody in the prison. Because the reality is, is, it doesn't matter what the enemy wants to throw at you, as long as you're serving God, favor will follow you. Oh, somebody else. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you, as long as you're serving God, favor will follow you. From a pit, to a potiphar, to a prison. These men, a wine taster and a baker, have a dream. And this is the cool part, because this is the first time I see Joseph, my memory serves, right, interpreting a dream. These men come to him and say, we had dreams. He tells them the dreams. Interesting dreams. Joseph looks at him and goes, and not too much longer, you're going to be restored. You're going to find yourself back in the palace where you belong. The king will look at you and his favor will shine upon you and his mercy will happen and, and you will go. The other one begins to go, oh, this is going to be great. To which he looks and goes, in the exact same time, you're going to die. And it happened just as Joseph said. And right before the one gets released, he looks at him and says, remember me. This is the first moment I see Joseph in desperation. This is the first time I see Joseph crying out for something. He's getting to a spot in his life where he realizes that he's stuck into a prison. And this is his only way of escape is this one man. And he clings to this one man and says, help me get out of here. And you know what that man does? Forgets about him. I begin to wonder, at what point, how many weeks, and how many months does Joseph sit there before he gives up? Oh, it's going to happen soon, man. He's going to go. He's going to tell the king, I've got a gift. He's going to tell the king that this guy can interpret dreams, that he's told me all these things. He'll going to go tell the king all of this stuff. And man, it'll be, maybe, maybe tonight, God, I believe and I pray that you give the king a dream that terrifies him, and he needs an interpretation, and he needs somebody to do something. Come on, this is what we do. And God, we, we begin to scheme. We begin to work it out. That's going to be this week, this night. Okay, maybe not tonight. It'll be this week, God. I, I decree and declare you're going to make the king one night, two nights, one week, two weeks, three weeks. How long before Joseph stops praying for God to move on the king that this man remembers him? How long does he give up? How long till he gets to a place where he goes, it is what it is? 
Because here's the thing that I want you to understand right now tonight is this, today is this, is that it doesn't matter where we are. All that matters is what's going on on the inside. Right now, everybody look at your phone, look at your watch. What time is it? What time is it? I mean, somebody. 11.07. Has anybody got a different time than 11.07? No. Anybody? 11.08 now. Is that 11.08 now? Yeah. Here's what's crazy. You ready for this? Y'all remember back in the day. Come on. When everybody had a watch and everybody's watch had different times? That's even... Make it more technological. Y'all remember back in the day when everybody had a cell phone, and depending on your carrier, it told you what time it was. And if you had Verizon, it was 11.08. And if you had AT&T, it was 11.10. And if you had T-Mobile, you had no idea what was going on. And if you had Sprint, there was smoke coming out of it. Like, you had no idea what was going on. And what's crazy now is the entire world is so interconnected that it doesn't matter what kind of phone, it doesn't matter what style of phone, it doesn't matter what brand, or it doesn't matter even what carrier, we're all linked. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, you are so smart to know the times and the seasons that you see, but you have no idea what's standing before you. And we have found ourselves to be in a position in the world where we can know all of this information, but we cannot perceive the season that we're in. Joseph, at this moment, I don't believe perceived the season that he was in. He was reading the time, and in his mind, his time is running out. In God's mind, your time is perfect. Because here's the thing, God is never early. And he's never late. But he's right on time. And this is where we find ourselves in the story of Joseph, is that the king, the, the Pharaoh, does have a dream. He has a terrifying dream. He has this dream, and this is where we would look and say, this is the apex of the story, where everything shifts for Joseph, and he has this dream, and the king brings him up, and no one in the land can dream, interpret this dream. They can't even make up an interpretation. And all of a sudden, this guy who has massive memory loss remembers. Oh, wait, I know a guy. Fun story. He told me that I was getting out, so maybe he'd help you too. I've wondered if, if the man actually just truly forgot and had massive memory loss. Or, or maybe... Just maybe that the man was too scared to speak the truth. Maybe he saw himself at one season about to be beheaded, and now he's back in his good graces with the king. And maybe he thought, if I open my mouth and this guy is wrong, not only will he die, well, so will I. It says he remembers Joseph. It doesn't mean that he forgot Joseph, but it gets to this place where something inside of him swells up so much he just has to say something. Because can I tell you, I don't believe from the moment this man got out to just now, this is the first dream that the king had. I don't believe that in his REM cycle that he just had no dreams for all of these months and years. I believe that the king had dreams on a regular basis. Obviously he did because he would had a whole group of men that would interpret the dreams. He didn't have to do this massive search for dream interpreters. He had them on standby. I had a dream. Today, you guys are interpreting. So here's what I'm going to say. Is that God was still having the dreams happen to the king, but he was moving Joseph into the right dream, in the right situation, at the right time. Joseph stands before this Pharaoh, interprets the Pharaoh's dream. There's going to be seven great years. It's going to be incredible. Those fat calves that you see, ah, you have no idea of how much food's about to happen in this place. It's going to be wonderful. But we've got seven more years about to approach. And these seven years, it's going to get bad. And I understand that I'm just a man in prison. But here's what I would say. You should get somebody to stockpile as much as he can for these seven years that are about to come up to feed everyone for the next seven. 
Pharaoh takes him and takes him from the prison to the palace. And he makes him second in command. In chapter 41 of verse, verse 37 and 41, it says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh said to Joseph, And as much as God has shown you all of this, there is no one else as discerning, as wise as you. So you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Not only in regard to the throne will, be, will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set over you all of the land. A massive famine comes. Lo and behold, Joseph's brothers show up to buy food from Egypt. They hear that Egypt's got the food. So they show up, and here's his chance. His chance to absolutely seek vengeance. To do whatever he wants to do at this moment. To take him, to run from him, to do all of these things. He has all the power that he wants to do, and yet he decides not to do that. He grants them what they need. He gives them the words. He does everything he can to make sure that they have all the needs that they have. And I find this that Joseph lives in Pharaoh's land for a long time. Give me a second. I love this because we take this moment that Joseph is now in second place with the most riches and the most land and the most everything that you could possibly have. And he goes, it was paid off. All of that time and all of that waiting paid off because now you went from the pit to Potiphar to the prison to the palace. I love this because Joseph doesn't see it that way. Joseph doesn't take all of this and think I've made it and I've hit my apex because now everybody that has I dreamed about is now serving me. In fact, he looks at his brothers. He looks at his brothers and says, I hold nothing against you for God did this to me for this moment that all of you could be saved. Here's the thing about Joseph. Is that Joseph understood the power of God moving you in his providence. He understood this massive idea that no matter what takes place on the outside, I'm going to remain true to who I am on the inside. Because Joseph, in the last moments of his life, Call all of his brothers together that are alive. Call all of his kids together. And he says this statement. He reminds them of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Because Joseph understood that God may move me from here to here. And in between, it may not feel good, but it's for purpose. It's going to get me to one spot to another. Not because... Everything that I have to touch has to be amazing. Can I tell you, let's get out of that mindset that just because you have a hard day or a hard week or a hard month or a hard year, that God has turned his back on you. Can I just tell you maybe that God has not turned his back towards you, but turned his face to you to move you from one place to another. Maybe God is positioning you for something different than you could possibly even Imagine, because God's goodness is not wrapped up in how comfortable you are, but that he fulfills his word. God's greatness is not that I'm always happy all the time, but that he fulfills his word. God is continually fulfilling his word. I am not. 
God is continually doing all of these things, but I am not. See, what's taking place in Joseph's life is he refused to get roped in. See, what happens is that God has created each and every one of us as you would a rubber band. A rubber band works great as long as it has enough contents to expand it to keep things tight. But what the enemy wants to do is to get you to stop expanding and stop contracting. The reason why there's so much fear is because fear makes us contract. The reason why there's so much desperation in the world is because desperation makes us do stupid things. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take your dream and turn it into a memory. He wants to take your entire book that's being written and just screenshot one painful page and say, this is the cover of your book. But can I tell you that God's plans are not to stop in the pain, but to move you through the pain to get to the place that you're supposed to be. And let me say this. I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody's going to have a palace moment and everybody's going to come around and go, oh my gosh, Tyler, you were right the whole time. Because it's not about you being glorified. What it's about is that he was in position to provide for those who in need needed him. And who needed him? The people who hated him. You want to talk about a testimony is when the people who's turned their backs against you and you have an opportunity to get revenge, yet you bless them instead of curse them. See, that's the move of God is not only are you taking me from a curse to a blessing. Why? Because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And we found ourselves in Romans at odds and at war with God. We found ourselves in opposition with who he was. And we find ourselves going, oh, my word, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to have all of these issues in life. And we fall before the one that we offended. And instead of killing us, he crucifies his son on your behalf. See, this is the story of Joseph that's replayed again in the story of Jesus. Jesus gets to a place that he has all the power, all the authority to tear down everybody who tried to kill him. And what does he do? He blesses them. Joseph could have had revenge, but he blesses them. Stephen Thompson, yes, give me a hand. There is a a story of this group of people that were walking through the Louvre, this beautiful, beautiful art museum. And in this this story, we see uh, a group of young men and women. A lot of them are athletes. Uh, A lot of them uh, have... They're all successful. They're there for awards and all of these different groups. And they have an opportunity to have a private tour of the Louvre. That would be a cool spot. I would love to have that experience. They're walking through and the, the tour guide is showing them one painting, explaining it. Shows them another painting, explaining it. Does all of his thing from one thing to another, to another, to another. And it gets to a place where... He's explaining this painting called Checkmate. And this painting has, uh, is a beautiful painting, and it's got the devil on one side, it's got a man on the other, it's got an angel in the middle, and you're seeing this man in turmoil because he's realizing that he's about to lose. And you can see this, this grin on the devil's face that I got this man exactly where I want him. And this is a lot of time where I'm finding myself, is that the enemy has got me positioned and he's got me cornered and, and he's finding myself and I'm finding myself into a spot where I'm just ready to give up. Has anybody else been there? Where you look at it and you go, God, you ain't here. That God, there's nowhere in this place for me. You've, I've been following you. I've been doing what you said. I've been doing the right thing. I've been saying the right thing. I've been giving. I've been doing all the things. And now I'm cornered and he's about to win. Has anybody else experienced this in their life? And, and you, he's sitting there watching this and the crowd moves on and they realize they forgot somebody. And the guy comes back, the tour guide, and says, hey, I'm sorry. The crowd moved forward. He goes, yeah, I, I'm just mesmerized by this painting. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's called checkmate. It's the enemy, the devil. The guy's wagered his soul. The guy's about to lose. He's stressed out because he understands he's done. And the guy goes, what you don't understand is that I'm a world champion chess player. And as a champion chess player, I see things a little differently than you do. And, 
and, I, and I'm sorry to be this guy, but as a, as a champion chess player, uh, I've got bad news. Either you, you have to change the painting or you have to change the name. The guy goes, how's that? He says, because as a champion chess player, I'm looking at the board, and you know what I see? He says this, is that the king has one more move. And as the king makes this one move, he's actually going to have checkmate on the devil. And this is the problem that the enemy has done to you, as he has convinced you to quit before checkmate has ever happened. He's looking at the board, and he's seeing what's going on, and he's got you to a spot in your life where you're like, I'm going to go ahead and call it. I'm out. Guys, the king has one more move. The king has the ability to slide over. The king has the ability to win this match. And you know what's the craziest part? The devil is an incredible chess player. And he bluffs better than anybody you've ever experienced in your life. And the entire time, you can see it in his eyes on this board, he's staring at the move. He's staring because he knows what's about to happen. And I understand that a lot of times we find ourselves in a predicament where we know the promises, but they're not fulfilled. We understand that we have sickness in our body and we're claiming the word of God, but yet it seems to be getting worse. That God, you've called us to have promotion, yet I just got fired. God, you've caused me to have healthy relationships, but I'm all alone. God, you've, you've led me to a place in my life where I'm doing the right things, but things are getting worse. And I want you to understand, Thomas, and and I want you to hear me when I tell you that God is not done positioning you for checkmate. You don't have to have 18 steps to get from a prison to a palace. You need one move. One move. See, the reality is, is that the enemy wants us to see times and seasons as it's running out. You notice as a kid that it takes forever for us to get to Christmas. As an adult, you're like, it's next week? The same day, every year. And what's happening in our lives is that we have visions and dreams like Joseph did, and it's taken some time, and our time has tarnished the vision, and our time has caused us to think, well, maybe it was just a pipe dream, or or maybe I had some interesting pizza, or or maybe it was just God being funny, or or maybe whatever it is, and Joseph is sitting there going through life, and I promise you there's times in his life where he wondered what the dream was going to happen. He's wondered what's going on, but you know what Joseph didn't do? He didn't put his faith in the dream. He put it in the promise of Abraham. He didn't sit there and say, when my dreams come to pass, no. He looks back at his brother and say, this was fulfilled because God promised our great-great-grandfather. I'm in a position where I'm at and I'm going through hard times so that God can say, ha, checkmate. I'm moving from one place to another so that God can look and go, I called it. Can I tell you tonight, God's calling his shots. God is going to be ready to move you from one place to another, and he's ready to make these big shifts in your life. But we cannot quit in the moments that we're finding ourselves in. We cannot quit in the times where everything looks against us. We cannot quit when things aren't going our way. We cannot stop fighting and start put, and stop, stop pushing just because it's not doing what I want it to do. To be honest, I'm living this story. the truth. You know what's funny is a couple weeks ago I had just a rough go. I'm not going to lie. It was a rough season. And I, I find myself going, God, what in the world is happening? And here's what he says. Just because you may not win a single battle doesn't mean that the war is yet won. There is no single battle that is going to determine the war being the outcome of the war in your life. And when I when I heard that, I went, I need some help. Unpack that one for me, my guy. You know what he says? This is what he says. <laughs> a loss is not a loss if you change your perspective because it can be a victory when you don't let it kill you. Yesterday I watched football. I'm sure a lot of us did. It was a day of crazy and chaos in, in college football. 
care about the scoreboard. Texas had an incredible game, and they, they by all counts, won. And it gets to a place where I'm watching the post-game interview because I wanted to see what their coach was going to say. With the biggest smile on his face, he realized that even though they didn't win that game, the progress that their team has gone under was worth more than any easy victory that they could have achieved. And when you're walking through this and you begin to shift and go, God, it's not about every time I go against something that I win. It's that you write the final chapter of the story. It's not that every time that I go up against something that I always get what I want and when I want and all yada, yada, yada. It's the fact that God, even in the, in the rain, I will praise you. In the sunshine, I will praise you. In the, in the snow, I will praise you. When it's drought, I will praise you. When it's perfect, I will praise you. Why? Because I know, God, that you are not limited to my one victory. The story's not done yet. The name of this series is just your move. And here's what I want you to hear me today as we walk into it the next few weeks is that God's not done moving you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't, he hasn't let you high and dry. You may find yourself into a pit looking at people who are supposed to love you that have turned their backs on you going, what in the world are you doing? You may find yourself in a Potiphar's house where the temptation is so easy just to be comfortable, just to cave in, just to take that lifestyle, just to do that one thing because it's so much easier here than it was in the pit. You may find yourself into a prison where you're ready to give up on any dream and any vision and you're going to go, God, I'm a stinking Job. Just let me die. Can I tell you, it's not time for you just to push over and walk away. It's not time for you to give up. It's not time for you to throw in the towel. And it's not time for you to even coast. It's not time for you to take it easy. It's not time for you just to go, okay, well, I'll just mail it in until God does something. Mm -mm. In the prison, he prophesied. Come on. In the prison, he prophesied. In his darkest moment, he was blessing men and prophesying over their lives. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's stand. God, we just thank you right now. We just thank you that right now, no matter what's going on, that in a prison we can prophesy. In a pit we can give blessings. In a pauper's house we can run from temptation. That God, everything that you've moved is that you're not moving us for comfort. You're moving us with purpose. Mm. You're not moving us so that we can just have good times and be blessed, but you're moving us so that we can be a blessing to everyone around us. That God, I just thank you that right now you're, you're beginning to release you're beginning to unshackle. You're beginning to move. You're beginning to connect. Oh, come on, church. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus, we worship your name. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. EJ, can you come up for a second? Uh, as we were actually in pre, I guess it would be rehearsal for our rehearsal, I, I saw you uh, and you were, you were singing. You were, you were doing all your things. It was a beautiful experience. Same thing as it always is. But this time I saw you <clears throat> and and I saw you had a backpack on, and it was full of weights. And, and I saw you jumping with weights on, and every jump you go, oh, it's still there. Oh, it's still there. And you're feeling the pressure. Uh, your, your, your legs are getting tired. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I saw, again, I'm not getting up in your coolie. I have no idea what this means. I, I saw God just snipping, not even taking the backpack off snipping the straps so the backpack couldn't come back on. I, I, I feel like God is, is beginning to come up behind you and take the weights off and destroy the carrier of the weights. I feel like he's, he's getting to a place in your life that, that, that he's ready to, you're going to be a checkmate story very, very shortly, and you're going to look back and go, I can't even pick up the weights again because the whole situation is taken care of. Everything is done. Everything is, is taken care of. And I, and I feel like God is going to be moving you from from, from one season to another, I just feel, I feel a shift happening inside of you right now. Uh, your singing is going to change. Your words are going to change. How you, how you speak over people's lives is going to change. The, the, the mothering of who you are is going to change. The anointing is about to change. I, I, I feel like you're going to find yourself running faster. You're going to find yourself getting up in the morning with purpose and, and going to bed with dreams. I, 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 I feel like God is about to shift for breakthrough, for breakthrough. That God, is, that God is fixing to, 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 to have breakthrough in your life. And so, Father, right now, we just, 
release that over EJ in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, just straight your hands. We just we bless her right now, and God, that right now, no matter what's taking place, that we are here to hold her arms up, that we're here to hold her hands up, that God, the weight that's been on her, the weight, the problem that's been going through, that God, right now, you're going to release her mind, you're releasing her spirit. In the name of Jesus, we cause breakthrough to take place. We decree it. I see it. There it is. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, come on, come on, Jesus, dear. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Savannah, I was, I was speaking, and it's a, it's a cool thing. It's a unique thing as, as a speaker because uh, you can do it also when you're like playing an instrument. You can be doing something physically, but yet you're disconnected at the same time. And I think singers can understand. Like you, you, you can be, you ever been uh, typing, and you're typing, or you're reading a book, and you go, what in the world did I just read? You, the pages have turned, but you have no idea. You know what I'm talking about. Action is going, but... Your mind is somewhere else. And you were, as I was speaking and delivering the word that I felt like I needed to deliver for today, I was looking at you, and I felt like God says that joy is coming through. Uh, I, I don't. I know you have friends, and I know you're dancing and doing all the wonderful things that have the <laughs> yeah have the appearance of success, but. I just want you to hear me when I say that he's, joy is rapidly coming. And the reward for your faithfulness is not in vain. That God is moving mightily amongst you. He hasn't forgotten you. You're not just a smile that's walking in and out of a room. But you're a daughter that he sees that he's pouring out on his life. And I, and I see uh, the closer you get to being a change agent, the harder your life has become. And you're wondering at what point is it worth it? And, and at what point is the example worth it? And at what point is all of these things? And I'm not saying you've been perfect and I, uh, going through all of that stuff, you're human. But at the same time, it's this mindset of doing the right thing, God. And all these people who aren't seem to be happier than I am. And I seem to be alone. And that's the word. That's the word. Alone. You're not alone. Not alone, baby. I just want to—I just want to release that weight. That God, right now, that right where, right where she's at, the the heaviness in her mind that has been trying to to weigh itself down. God, I thank you for joy coming. That joy, unspeakable laughter, the belly laugh that you can't contain because everything is going on. I feel it coming through. I, I, God, I just thank you right now that uh, any part of heaviness and depression, any kind of the, the, the oppression in the mind, God, the lonely feelings, God, we rebuke those thoughts in the name of Jesus today. And we say your freedom is here in this place. That joy comes in the morning. That, God, I just thank you that there may be pain for a night, but joy is in the morning. We shift. We thank you for that seasonal shift in her life that everyone is going to see the joy that she's gone through. And God, I just thank you right now that she is lifted up, that she is protected, that she is guarded. Her heart is safe in your hands. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know we've had a crazy time, and I don't even know what time I started, but here's what, here's what I'm going to do real quick is... Uh, you're in need of prayer for anything, we're gonna we're a family church. We're a church that makes room for whatever we gotta make room. And family is the most important thing to us outside of his presence. And so if you're in this place and you say, Pete, I yeah, I want I want prayer for something that's going on in my life. I want you guys, yeah, just to come on up. We're gonna we're gonna pray. And we're we're not done with service, don't leave yet. But if you need prayer for something, y'all come on up. We're gonna pray real quick. We're gonna do this for, for four and a half minutes. 
So uh, we're going to stay on time. God doesn't need an hour and a half time of prayer, but if, you up here, if you're up here and you say you need prayer, I'm going to ask our um, Linda, EJ, if you wouldn't mind coming up here. Um, if you guys need prayer for anything, whether it's in your body, if you've been struggling with struggling with depression, if you're struggling with the attack of the enemy, if you're finding yourself roped in, if you're finding yourself going through whatever it is, that right now, just come on up. Yeah, we got people coming up. Yeah, this is the time. Okay, just a few more minutes. Anybody else? Jesus' name, Jesus' name. If you need prayer, we're going we're gonna to stop this. Go ahead, DJ. Go ahead and pray for me real quick. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father God, we just thank you. Father God, I just thank you for your presence. Your name is greater. Your name is stronger. And no matter what's taking place, that you're breaking off ties, that you're breaking off issues, that you're breaking off all the pain, that you're moving seasonal thing. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Sherilyn, the calendar is no longer going to dictate your happiness. It's no longer going to have hold over seasons of your life. The, 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 the days and the months on the calendar are no longer going to have weight. Jesus, Jesus, what does that mean? Uh, painful experiences of your past, whether it's been recent or former, You're not going to wake up and be, blue, uh, be scared of a day coming up in the near weeks or every time you open up your eyes and go, well, okay, it's going to be a bad day because of this event or because of that. I just think that God is going to be taking anniversaries of painful moments and turning them in, uh, in, into peaceful days. That you're going to look back and go, oh, I forgot it was that day. I just, I, just, I just feel like right now over your life, I don't know what that even means and how it all looks like, but that anniversaries of painful moments are not going to control your days any longer. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Jesus' name, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. 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 All right. Whew. All right, we're going to close out service this way. Uh, announcements are simple. We have prayer on Monday night, youth on Wednesday nights. Small groups are, are signing up still. They are filling up. So make sure that you don't wait to the last minute. There are a few of our small groups that I think only have one or two more spots left. So make sure that you guys sign up as soon as possible. If you don't know how to sign up, you can see myself. You can see Linda at the end of service. We'll get you guys connected. We're not going to run the videos um, tonight. They're on our Facebook page. Uh, you can see uh, all of our small groups and what's taking place on our page. Um, and so make sure you guys sign up. If you go to our church or you know somebody who wants to be connected or needs to be connected, forward the page. It's just going to be a season of breakthrough. I believe 2023 is a setup year. I truly do. I, 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 I've been talking to our, our team on, in staff meeting, and I believe that next year is going to be a different year for everybody. It's going to be a great year. Can I give you a heads up? It's going to be a great year. Next year is going to be a great year. He's, he's setting, setting you up for checkmate. That's just what I'm feeling right now. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.